Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing? God bless. So, anybody with me? You ever opened the Bible and wondered, where do I start? What do I do? How do I, how do I receive the word? And there was a time that I was in that spot that I, you know, I always thought, where do I start? What do I read? And should I read from Genesis to Revelation? Should I start in the Gospels? Where do I start? And, you know, I, I've read through many chapters of the Bible. And, you know, I hear people say a lot, well, I've read it from front to back and back to front. And I've read it four times and, you know, I still don't understand it all. And we're never going to, we're never going to understand everything. We're never going to know everything. Even our pastors will never know everything. And there's so many different body parts of the, of Christ. There's, there's so many, I should, no, I should say it like this. There's so many different there's different parts of the body of Christ. That's what I want to say. So there's going to be some people that know more about one thing than we do or the other, and but they're not going to know it all. So when we're reading, what I've discovered and for myself is being filled with the Holy Spirit, praying before you read, and just really meditating on the Word. Because there's been so many times that I would read through a chapter and I'd be like, okay, I kind of understand what I'm reading. But then when you really dig in and get into the roots of the word, the Greek meanings, the Hebrew roots, different things have more of a meaning to them. The word has more of a meaning to it. When you start digging into the history of the chapters and who wrote them. And I'm in the chapter of Romans. I'm in the book of Romans, and I only got through chapter two. <laughs> I've only gotten through, two, through chapter two, and it's been three days. And I've really, because I meditated on chapter one for a couple days, I'm going to read it over again right now with you and what I have written down in my notes because I feel like knowing some of the history of what we're reading really connects us to the meaning and what's being said because everything that's in the Bible is God breathed through his apostles, his prophets, and his disciples. So I want to read through Romans with everyone and this may take a while, so this will probably be a long series, but bear with me because as I learn I want to help you learn, you know, more of the word and let's learn together. And as I'm preaching this and teaching, I'm teaching myself. I'm preaching to myself because I'm not preaching to the choir here. We all fall short of the glory. And there's going to be so many people that will tell you, I don't fall short of the glory. I don't sin. I don't, you're lying. That's a sin in itself. Because if you don't sin, you don't need a savior. So let's start in chapter one of Romans, the book of Romans. And in Romans one, Paul says, Paul, a bond servant of Christ Jesus called as an apostle, which an apostle is a special messenger, personally chosen representative by God. Okay. By Jesus set apart for preaching the gospel of God, the good news of salvation. And why does he start with his name? Because in the, um, in the, in the biblical days before Christ, 
Paul, he started with his name because when they would open the scrolls, instead of opening them all the way down to see who wrote it, because you know how we write a letter now, we we put dear so-and-so, well, they would start with their name instead of saying to whom it's being written to, which he is speaking to the Corinth. So, and Paul the servant or bond servant that he says he is a bond servant servant of Christ Jesus the greek word dolas means servant or bond servant and it's an inv- individual who had willingly chosen to be a lifelong servant a slave to their master and before you think something negative about the word slave it's not like the slaves that we're thinking about 150 200 years ago we're thinking back 2000 years ago and it, it, it was when they were under the law of Moses. If you had a Hebrew slave, um, many times servant slaves were in the position because of debts they gotten themselves into. And um, they were servant slaves to work off that debt. And the law of Mo- Moses had a sanction, uh, section in which protected the servant slaves by saying that that individual could only serve you for a certain period of time, six years, and then the seventh year, they had to be released from their bondage. So what if a servant wanted to stay with their master? Well, God put a contingency in the law for that. And if a servant said, I love my master, my master is so good to me, takes care of me, respectful, honorable, they could go with their master and say, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. So some of them would stay with the per, you know with that person that they owed that debt to because they were treated so good same as Paul when Paul Paul knew that Jesus loved him so much he said I Paul meaning him he was going to be a bond servant of Christ Jesus for the rest of his life because Jesus loved him so much and treated him so good just like he does us. He, he chases after us. He loves us so much. And he he's giving us his, his grace, his mercy, because we have all fallen under his wrath since birth because of Adam and Eve's sin. So Paul begins his letter in Romans 1 saying, Paul, Adulas, and what he is saying is, I am his body, soul, and spirit for the rest of my life by my own willing choice I am his so he's choosing to be a bond servant to Christ Jesus I feel when we give our life over to Christ when we accept his gift of salvation that we too are saying I Nicole am a bond servant to Christ Jesus because I know in my heart, in my soul, in my mind, that I am going to serve Christ for the rest of my life. It's a lifelong servant slave to Christ. Um, Paul is saying that he loves him for the rest of his life and will be and he'll live showing him with all his heart. And I believe that's what we do as born again believers. We start showing not only, we don't, there's nothing in an outward appearance that we can show because that's Pharisees. Pharisees would always do the outward things, knowing and thinking that they're so knowledgeable of the word and, you know, doing all these, uh, going to the synagogue and reading and, you know, doing all the outward things, but it's the heart. 
He's looking at your heart. Jesus is looking at your heart. You're set apart. And we set, we're set apart because we set a boundary. Not only am I a servant slave, not only was I called by him and I didn't pick this, my, you know, like Paul was saying, I didn't pick this myself. I didn't pick to be an apostle. I was chosen. So his, our lives are literally zoned out for God. Our purpose in life is to serve him. What is your purpose? What is your purpose here? Why are you here? Paul even said, I, Paul, an apostle, a doulas, a bond servant, am here to serve Christ Jesus. We are called to serve Christ. So in 1-2 it says, which he promised beforehand, though his prophets in the sacred, sacred scriptures. Verse 3, the good news regarding his son, who as to the flesh, his human nature was born a descendant of David to fulfill the covenant promises. Stay with me. Verse 4, and as to his divine nature, according to the spirit of holiness, was openly designated to be the son of God with power in a triumphant and miraculous way by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in verse three, he's saying concerning his son, which is the Greek word concerning is peri. Just like if we, if we take the word peri, and then I'm saying it like para, well, it should be para, para, P-E-R-I, para means around or to encompass like a periscope. If you're thinking of a periscope, um, a periscope gave us the ability to look 300, to look 360 degrees, literally turn all the way around. And kind of like, um, if you think about like a periscope on a, on a, um, on a submarine, you can, you can turn it all the way around or on a ship or something and you can see 360 degrees. So kind of thinking of concerning his son, he's like a periscope. You, it means he's around, he's encompassing us. And the good news concerning his son in verse three means he's surrounding us, encircling his son. The gospel is all about Jesus Christ, all about Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is so simple because he says his two greatest commandments are to love him with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love others as we love ourselves, even our enemies. And that is really hard. It's hard to love our enemies. But that's what Christ wants us to do because everybody is redeemable. If we think back, where did we come from before Christ? Where where were we before Christ? We were hurting people. We were sinning against people. We were doing things wrong against one another until we were reformed before we were before we had that heart check, that circumcision that we're going to talk about later on in Romans. So oftentimes what happens when you and I start talking about the Bible and eternal life, or we get into a conversation about God talk, you know, everybody, like a lot of people in the world, ever notice how their conversation quickly moves to religion? Because people will say, religion never saved anybody. Okay, so religion will drag you down, it will keep you, it'll, so religion drags people down. When we are pointing our fingers and we keep the topic on religion, what happens is we start 
condemning others. We start letting them know what their sin is, but we are not sinless. Jesus did not walk around pointing his fingers at other people. He walked around in love and meekness. I'm not saying that he's not coming with a wrath. Uh, What I'm saying is, how do we introduce people to Jesus by pointing at their sin? How do we introduce others to Jesus by telling them that they're they're these disgusting sinners or you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that and you shouldn't and you shouldn't and you shouldn't when it's not even our place. It's not our place to be doing those things. Our place is to lead others to Christ, to love them as we love ourselves. And why do we love ourselves? Because we dwell with Christ in us. Because we know what Christ has done for us. That's why we love ourselves now, because we're filled with Christ. So now we can shed that light on others and love others as he loves us and love the Lord with all our heart, mind, and soul by telling others the good news. I'm going to tell you something that really bothers me. (laughs) And since we're being honest here, right? Because I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit move right in this moment. Because these things really get to me. Because you'll see Christians outside of abortion clinics. And I, I hope that there's others out there that agree with me. But when you're standing outside of an abortion clinic and all you're doing is yelling, you murderer, you, you murderer, you're murdering your baby. And and you're, so you're holding these signs up of these babies. Okay. We understand we do, we get it there. You know, abortion is murder. But when you're condemning somebody walking into that clinic, do you really think that they're going to turn around and look at you and feel love from you? Do you really think that Jesus would stand outside an abortion clinic and yell to them, you murderer? Because really, we are murderers at heart. That's what we're doing. If it w- and I'm going to tell you a little bit of my testimony now, because now that the Holy Spirit is bringing this out, there was a time that I went to an abortion clinic. If there wouldn't have been a woman out there that met me right where I was at, I probably would not have my beautiful six-year-old daughter right now. That woman was there for a purpose, on purpose, in that moment because God placed her there because he knew what I was about to go do. And when I walked into that clinic, all I thought about was that woman standing outside with tears in her eyes asking to pray for me. And I told her no. And I went in there and I had the appointment anyways. And when I came out, she was still there, still there. And when I got in my car, she followed me over to the red light, which was right by the parking lot, pull right out. There's the red light. I was at that red light for, I can't even tell you how long it felt like an eternity. And right there was the first time that I really experienced the Holy spirit because I rolled down my window finally. And she looked at me and said, God said, she's going to be the most beautiful baby in the world. And she's going to save your life. And sure enough, this little girl saved my life because God gave her to me. He sent her to me to, to turn and my, my mind over to him. He sent her to me to show me unconditional love. 
I do have other children and I do have, I I used to have regrets of the way that I raised them, but I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I have a really great relationship with my children. But when I look at that testimony, I know that God sent that woman that day. So I really hope that that helps somebody when we're standing on a corner preaching and all we're doing is preaching the wrath of God. How do we turn people to Jesus by not showing them love? We have to heal them. We don't even heal them. We just lead them to the water. Let me say it that way. We have to lead them to the living water. And how do you lead somebody somewhere with love? You can't lead somebody into a relationship by saying, you have to be with me and you better come over here and be with me because nobody else is going to want you and blah, 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 and all these other things. How do you, how, how, how do you lead somebody into a relationship with someone by condemning them and telling them how wrong they are and they're going to hell? Sisters and brothers, we are to lead with love. That is what God has commanded. That is, that is his number one commandment. And it, well, his two Two greatest commandments is to love him with all your heart, mind, and soul. And by loving him with all your heart, mind, and soul, you go out and you preach the good news to others and you lead them to Christ by love. It is not up to us to fix them. It is just up to us to love them right where they are at. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So much of what people hate and reject is religion. And religion has nothing to do with Jesus. When we keep our focus on Jesus, others can experience the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was here in the flesh. He loved just like we love. But he loved us first. He loved us first. And then we began to heal. And we came out of that wrath. And we, 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 our sins were... Were, were forgiven. Our sins were forgiven and he died for them on the cross. They're done. He said it's done. So v- verse five says, it is through him that we have received grace and our apostleship to promote obedience to the faith and make disciples for his name's sake among all the Gentiles. And we are the Gentiles and obedience to faith, o- obedience of faith. What does that mean? Obedience that comes from faith sounds like a very weird idea, right? So I thought it was too, because I was always taught that you've got to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this. And you're constantly feeling like you're working to keep your salvation. And that is not what we are supposed to be doing. It will wear you out. You will become weary. And that's what turns people away from the faith. Because obedience comes from faith. Obedience that comes from faith. We understand the obedience that comes from instruction, right? That's not what Paul is talking about here. Then there's obedience that comes from rules. And that's also not what Paul is talking about here. So um, our our culture is based on rules and laws. So what the Jews went through... That relates to the law, but this also is not what Paul is talking about. Obedience that comes from fear and intimidation. That's what we just went through this past year with all the COVID things that were going on. We, we, we were obedient because of fear and intimidation. 
so many acting in obedience of fear and intimidation from our government. That's the way dictators get so many people to obey. Look at Hitler and um, what's his name? Mussolini. That's not what Paul is talking about here. So what is Paul saying? What he's saying is there is an obedience that comes by virtue of faith. So in other words, an obedience through our faith. So let me ask you this. Do you recognize in your life a difficulty to obey God? And I sure hope that I'm not the only one here that does, because I, I want to be totally open and honest and vulnerable in this podcast and tell you that I do, I do find difficulty obeying God. And that's the most honest that I can be, because even though I am a born again Christian, I am not going to tell you it's going to be all butterflies and rainbows, because you're going to have struggles. And for a Christian to tell you that they do not struggle with sin, you're lying. That is a lie. So I recognize in my heart a bent and a gravitational pull away from obedience to God. And I think the Apostle Paul did too, and he wrote about it. So I see this law that is pulling me away from God. And when we come to Christ, we accept his salvation and we start walking out that life in him. And then we realize, you know what? I'm a mess up. I am a walking mess up and disobedience is around every single corner, every corner. So how am I going to begin to obey? Just ask yourself, first of all, let me ask you this. How are you saved? Most would get this question right. I'm saved by grace through faith. By putting my faith in what Jesus did on the cross, I am saved. My sins are forgiven. So how do you obey God? His word, obedience by instruction, not what Paul is talking about, not even, not even possible. And why so many Christians don't live a victorious life is because they get saved based on faith. But when it comes to obedience and living life to please God day by day, they miss the point that obedience also comes by faith, not by dictation, not by condemnation, not by um, fear or intimidation. And we try to do it by rules or by instruction or by even trying to intimidate ourselves. We mess up and we find ourselves saying, God, I'm so sorry. I'm never going to do that again. And then we mess up again, don't we? Then we do it again and get mad at ourselves and get angry at our own sin and say, I'm not going to do that again. And we try to assert this strength of character that I'm going to obey God at all costs. That's not the obedience Paul is talking about in Romans. That's basically taking the flesh and trying to defeat the flesh. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. Paul says that we have been given grace to come to you and talk to you about an obedience that is based on faith. Faith in what? So we understand faith in our salvation. We're putting our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. By my faith, I'm forgiven of my sins and born again. Now, when we're talking about obedience and obedience and faith, what's your faith in? What is your faith in? When we take communion and we eat of the bread, that is Christ's body, and then we drink the wine, that is his blood, we know that he 
bore our sins on that cross. He bled for us. He died for us. He was resurrected in newness, and that's what he does for us. We are resurrected in new, newness with Christ when we are born again and we have laid our life down for him. Now, when talking about obedience and obedience and faith, what's your faith in? So later on in the book of Romans, chapter 6, Paul's going to talk about this, and he's going to talk about why we can have victory in our lives over the flesh through faith. So let's go to Romans 6. Romans 6, 11 and 12 says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Count yourself, reckon, believe. You are dead to sin. Dead to sin. Those sins were nailed to the cross. Past, present, future. Nailed to the cross. Am I saying to go out and habitually sin and live your life any way that you feel like living it? No, because that's not what a born-again Christian does. Because your mind is renewed, your heart is renewed, your your soul is renewed. That isn't the life that a born-again Christian wants to live. You don't desire those things. But what I am saying is count yourself consider yourselves. When he says, so you also must consider yourselves, that means reckon yourselves, believe that you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Believe that when we came to Jesus, we actually joined with him in his death and there are benefits to that death. And the benefit of that is that we have been set free from the power of the sinful nature because we are born with a sinful nature. We we are born into sin. And as a child, we sin because we talk back to our parents naturally. We naturally say no. We naturally do things that we're not supposed to do as a child. So and when we're born again, we are set free from the power of the sinful nature to control our lives. And we've been raised to a new life of obedience to God. Believe. Believe that when you came to Jesus, your sinful nature was rendered powerless to control you. I can remember before Christ, before I was saved, before I I laid my life down for Christ, before I gave it my all, before I surrendered to him, I would literally wake up every single day and be like, I have to drink. I've got to smoke weed. I need to have sex today. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. My mind would race and race and race. And I would race to these things. I would hurry and want to get hurry up at work and get done with my shift just so I could go to the bar. That's how my mind worked before Christ. Now, when I was set free and the shackles were broken and I believed when I came to Jesus, that sinful nature was no longer powerful over my mind to control me or my heart or my soul. It was it was done, forgiven, taken away. It literally was it, it was like a like a heart surgery, like I was given a new heart. So here's the problem. We overthink it. We overthink it. I keep sinning. You want me to believe I have been set free from sin, but I keep sinning. Him who the Son sets free is free indeed. You have been set free from the power of the flesh 
So why do we keep going back and doing it? Well, because we want to. We choose to. We don't have to go back and sin, but we choose to go back and sin. See, there's the difference. Now, we have a conscious choice. Before Christ, I didn't have that conscious choice because my mind was set on those things that was fulfilling a void in my life. I, that The sin had power over my mind, body, and soul. But now that I am new in Christ, it no longer has that power of me. So, and there's some of us that have really deep ruts and we, we have lived this way for years and years and years and habitual responses to life. And yes, it's sin. And those were habitual responses to what I was going through in my life, trying to cover up the hurt and pain from the past and the things that I was doing to myself and constantly condemning myself. But once I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was set free. I was set free from that bondage. But it's through faith when I accepted Jesus on the cross, something happened. Yes, I was forgiven of my sins and born again, but something else happened. I was set free from the tyranny of the sinful nature to control me. And now I have the freedom to either go there or not. Now I have the freedom because I have a renewed mind, a renewed heart, a renewed soul. Before you were a slave to sin, now you have the freedom to sin or be obedient to God. And you're either all the way free or you're not free at all. So the kind of obedience we are called to live is not based on instruction or rule keeping or intimidation. It's obedience by faith. I believe that I have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ and my sinful nature no longer controls me. And I live on and and, and I don't live under the tyranny of and and I should or I'll say it like this. So I've been Jesus Christ is my savior. I need him every minute of the day. Every minute of the day. So that sinful nature no longer controls me. I don't live under the tyranny of sin or that doesn't hold me down anymore because now I can say I don't have to. And yes, sometimes I may choose to. And that's when I say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Am I getting saved all over again? Of course not. But the point is we do mess up. None of us are perfect. But for the first time in my life, I have freedom to live my life to the glory of God. It is by his glory, new grace every single day that we wake up. We repent. We turn away from our sins. Listen, God knows your heart. And for somebody to tell you that you're never going to mess up, that holds you in a bondage, that holds you in a trap of thinking that you have to be like something that you can never be because we cannot follow the law. That's why he came to fulfill the law. So Paul says, from now on, why don't you just reckon yourself dead? Dead to sin and alive to Christ. When you believe you have really been set free from sin, you begin to walk in a greater expression of faith. And I pray that whoever's listening to this podcast 
that you have been set free. I pray that you seek Christ, that you just call out to him because he's waiting. He's waiting right there. He's the same God today, yesterday, and he'll be the same God tomorrow when you wake up. Every single day that you wake up is a new day of grace, is a new day that you can ask for forgiveness and repent of your sins every single day. And once you become born again, your sins are paid for, past, present, future. He already knows your struggles. He already knows that you're going to fall short of the glory. He already knows everything about you, even every single hair on your head. He knows what you're going through. He will bring you through it. He will walk through the valley with you. He will walk over that mountain with you. He will move the mountains for you. But I promise you that once you accept Jesus Christ's love for you, just as he love, uh, he, he just loves us. He loves us. And, and if he wouldn't have chased after me, as much as he did, I would not be who I am today. I would not have my beautiful six-year-old daughter. I would not be alive. I know I wouldn't be. There's so many times that I look back and I'm like, man, did God have a hand in my life because I should have been dead. Of the choices that I was making, the things that I was doing, the places I put myself, I look back at that and I'm like, I really was reckless with my life. And Jesus redeemed me. He redeemed me. He gave me a gift, and that gift was a gift of salvation. And now I walk in the Spirit. And if I fall short of the glory, He is right there to pick me up 70 times 7. And that means forever, eternal. Set yourself free tonight. Brothers and sisters, set yourself free tonight from that bondage of sin. Set yourself free of that religious spirit that comes over people and turns them away from Christ. We can't follow rules. We're obedient by our faith. We obey him because we love him. But if we fall short of the glory, he forgives. He will forgive you. Ask for that forgiveness and repent of your sins. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the technology that we have to reach the world. Lord Jesus, I pray that anybody listening tonight, that you just touch their hearts. I pray that you give them fresh eyes and fresh ears to hear your word. Lord Jesus, I just want them to know how much you love them. How many times you have chased after them and they just keep suppressing you. Lord Jesus, I pray that, that you just lift them up in your name. I'm lifting up the lost souls to you, Father God, and just praying that their hearts will be softened tonight. That they can break free from those chains that have been holding them down most of their life. So that they can be given new life, a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, Lord Jesus so they can be set free to live a life glorifying you for the rest of their lives. That they can be given the gift of eternal salvation. Father, I thank you and I give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen.